It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. I'm not finished yet. It took me a long time to get here. Both pairs have, have spoken with each other and... Uh, and they regret what happened. They've had a frank discussion with each other, and they're, they're both of them are keen to, to now focus on getting back to their county jerseys. That these fellas will get such a shell shock next Saturday evening that we'll put them back in their houses for 10 years. So we have our first county champions, lads. It's very, very early um, in the year, the 23rd of August. Shell Maliers beat Nevena from Gorey last uh, or yesterday. Easily enough, it has to be said. Um, a great dual club, Shell Maliers, are in Wexford now. They won the county football championship in 2018. Um, I have to say, there were some weird scenes, um, Conan. Like, I mean, Simon Donahue lifting the cup in an empty stand, only whoever that was beside him, the county board chairman and the players down below looking up at him. You know, the usual scene is the players up around him lifting the cup with him and then the supporters all, you know, in a in a, in a circle down in front of the stand. So there's no doubt it was a little bit, um, a little bit of a weird one. And the photos and all would have been completely different and almost a little underwhelming because at that stage then it's usually a, a battle to take the cup with, with your family and get a picture with it and, you know, all the club members around and, even that picture in the stand should be a pile of club legends in around him as he's lifting it up. Um, yeah, a little, little disappointing for them, but sure, look at that's what we're used to. I'm sure they don't really care. They got the list of cup. Well, that's the thing, and it's funnily enough that after September the 13th, other county champions won't have that. You know, so maybe it's the, the timing for them is very bad. Interesting one, Connor. Um, in the speech, he didn't give three cheers for Nevena, and he said it's childish. And for me, he's absolutely right. And when is a captain going to take a stand and stop this tradition? I have to say a, a captain Portlaoise on three different occasions, under 21, senior county final, Leinster club. And I gave that stupid three cheers for the losers on each occasion. And I, I hated doing it because I've, I've lost county finals and I've heard it and I hated hearing it. And it's about time Simon Donoghue, at least he took a stand against it. And maybe other captains will start doing the same thing. 
I hope so. Fully. Like um <laughs> you you talk about their uh, having done it when you when you've won. I, I know I've been on the losing side a few times and uh, that's for my own club as well as kind of having to listen to speeches about Mayo and I can tell you that it doesn't register. You know, when you're on the losing side and somebody gives you the three cheers, you're just not in the mood for it. it and, and the worst thing about it is is that it seems token. Do you know, as you said there, yeah. like, you probably said it because you like everyone everyone does it and you feel like you had to. Whereas like I, there's been a couple of times where do you know, like a, a captain of the other team that has beaten us, for example, might have said something that's very genuine. Do you know, it's not just the three cheers. It's 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 something that 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 really feels kind of from the heart after a game, and it, it yeah. makes far more of an impression on you than the three cheers. So, like, hopefully, like everyone was just sheep, like you know, following kind of the three cheers format. So, hopefully, um, I hope uh, Simon Donahue has started a trend here. Yeah, me too. Like, I mean, I've tried to say something nice about the other teams, but I've always followed it up with the three cheers. Do you know what I mean? Kind yeah, of like, I mean, yeah. it's the three cheers is what kind of ruins it at the end. There's no need for this at all. It, it's like it's, you're sort of leaning on it. You know, when when you say something, you don't get a laugh. It's like, well, you know, if you do this, everybody has to respond. So. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. It, it's the equivalent of Connor's right about the, the genuineness of it. It's it's. You know the difference when a manager comes into your changing room afterwards and, and on the one hand, somebody could be great and really genuine. On the other hand, somebody can be completely patronising and they're, they're telling you you're a great little club and keep up the hard work and you just want them to get the hell out of there. So it just depends on what they're saying. And, and those cheers, like, yeah, it's just, uh, it doesn't register. No, it definitely doesn't. Well, listen, Simon Donahue joins us on the line now, the Shell Malier's captain. Um, how's the head, Simon? Um, uh, it's not too bad, I suppose. When when you're after winning the county title the next day, you're 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 only delighted no matter what's after happening. And so I, in the year that finished, there wasn't mad celebrations last night because with the virus and all, kind of everything yeah. was pulled down a peg or two, unfortunately. Well, sir, I presume the celebration was you went back. You're allowed to go back and have a meal. Um, once it's over nine euros, you can have the few pints and all. So I'm sure you got to celebrate a little bit in that regard. Oh, we had we had a little bit of, and I wouldn't call it a do, but we were actually here kind of six at a table, and we all had our own table as such. And when yeah. you spend your, your nine your nine euro on a meal, you're allowed a couple of pints, and <laughs> we had a little bit of a, a get together, but it was not not the usual that you'd expect after a county final, unfortunately. Yeah, it is unfortunate, isn't it? Like, I mean, it just wasn't the same. I was uh, Ross Banville was saying that supporters kind of clapped you across a bridge um, on the way to Wexford Town before the county final. I suppose that's the closest they could get to you on county final day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, we were coming in, I suppose, we were coming into the town, coming over the bridge, and we were just coming down as, as you were coming into a kind of Wexford town, people might know we were coming over the bridge, and it was just a sea yeah. of black and amber with young young people everywhere, and there was flags going, and a lot of people, a lot of younger lads on our team kind of got surprised by it, because they just thought, no crowd, there'll be no atmosphere, and just a little thing like that probably got us all going before the match, yes, so it was a little, a little things like that can kind of set us off for the day. Yeah, do you know, isn't it the most unbelievable thing about that is that that was allowed, but bringing them into a stand, separating them isn't allowed. Like, I mean, it's just bizarre. Yeah, yeah. And no, there was probably, there was a couple of hundred standing on the bridge there yesterday and then you go into the match and then there's only the two teams and the officials, a few shores and the media, that's all that's there. But I suppose that's what the government are trying to, they're trying to look out for the health of the nation. So you kind of... It is, on one hand, it's a funny situation that it is, but we kind of have to play a ball for the time being to hopefully this will eventually calm off and we'll get back to normal life. Yeah, no, exactly. Like, I mean, I have to say that today is probably the bigger, as big a kick in the arse for you because uh, from winning, I've won six county titles and always the Monday was the best day afterwards. Like, I mean, I don't know what you can do. Today. Go for another dinner or two today. Like, will you meet up or what? what's the plan? Um, oh, we'll, we'll meet up there. We eventually, sure, when we meet up and we get a, a bite to eat and, 
usually you know, it won't be the usual Monday club it'll be the no. Monday club with dinner probably is what it'll be the way it is this year but I will meet up and yeah. we have a, a few handy scoops and see what happens then but we'll have to move on to another place then again get another dinner get another dinner yeah Jeez, you'll be keeping the local restaurants in business today and come here no schools or anything as captain I'm sure that's something you would have we would have been doing this morning bringing the cup around oh we would have yeah I suppose we won the football a couple of years ago and it was the same thing the, ne- the next day you'd be going into the, into all the local there's three schools kind of in the parish and you only love bringing it over just to see the young lads that and the young girls that have been looking at the match to be only delighted to be kind of idolising some of the older lads that walk in and you'd see them that have hurls and balls and they'd be only thrilled with it. But eventually, hopefully, the, the schools will open next week and maybe, I don't know if we'll be allowed in, but if we can, I'd only be delighted to bring it in. Just to give the young lads something to look up then, I suppose. Yeah, exactly. And come here, like, I mean, did any of the players comment on after the game? You know, it was a weird kind of um, picture seeing you up in the stand on your own and all the players down. Usually the players would be all around you and the supporters looking up at you. And, you know, players would have children in their arms and, you know, family would be around. Like, yeah. you see, for I suppose for players, you've just won a county title. Are you thinking about that or what are you thinking? Uh, it, was, it was kind of a bit surreal, I suppose. You, you love having the kind of the atmosphere after winning and spectators coming in and family coming in and everything, you know. But it kind of when it was just a group, it kind of just felt strange. You were still on a high after winning, but there was no kind of massive fanfare. And then once the cup, once the kind of the cup is presented and the few the best speeches are done, you kind of we just went down to our kind of side of the stand and we just sat off and kind of just kind of got, had a bit of a chat together, which is strange in a way. Like it was yeah. no big mad. It was just, it was surreal, kind of, it's kind of one of those, you have to be kind of in the middle of it to really know what I felt like. Right, like I mean, if some, if some club wins their first ever county title, when they'll have no reference point, you've, you've won a football at 18, were you, I'm not sure, you were probably too young for 14 when you won the hurling. No, I, I, the- I was there, I was there in 14, I was only a little chap in the corner by what I was playing, <laughs> I was playing that time. Yeah, but it must be, imagine if it was their first, they would think, is this all it is? Is this, is this what a county oh, title yeah. is all about? But um, yeah, no, it's definitely a it's definitely a weird one. Come here on the oh yeah, come here. I wanted to ask you about the three cheers for Navena. I'm very impressed with that. I have to be said because it is a it's a tired old tradition as far as I'm concerned. It's almost patronising. You said it was childish. Did you not do it because there was no crowd to give them the three cheers, or you just don't believe in this kind of tradition? Um, I just I've luckily I've been in a couple of finals and I've lost a couple and. And I don't like the, myself just this from personal and not a fan of the three cheers because you're after giving your all if you're after losing and all you want to, you don't want to hear a hip hip hooray kind of you're like yeah. well done you best today and thanks very much for the game kind of more so than I just felt that you said it's a bit patronising but that's, that's my opinion other people might say it's it's nice to do for the team, but look, I made a decision and I have to go with it now, and yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, you're the first captain I've seen doing that. Like, I mean, I think that's what should be replaced from the hip hip hooray. It is childish. It's like if at a juvenile match it might make sense, but at a senior inter- a senior yeah. club county final, um, it doesn't really. Come here. Were you surprised at how convincing you won it, really? Because he did, uh, Simon. Like you were by far really the better team. Yeah, well, we kind of we've been going well this year. I suppose we we played Gory in the group and the best by a point, but that was a very tough battle that day. And kind of in the semi, in the quarter final and semi final, we just we kicked into gear. And then yesterday we we got the 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 goals at the right. They came at the completely right time. I suppose Ross's penalty just before half time. Kind of the ball wasn't in the net and the ref lost for half time. It was a grace. It was a massive boost for us. But yeah, kind of we were going well. We have a lot of young lads that were they're hurling well and were fit. I suppose you can't really, when everyone is on farm, it's kind of, it's like a steam train, it just keeps rolling and rolling. 
Yeah, until that Ross goal though, like I mean, your dominance wasn't on the scoreboard. You were, you were, um, you know, shooting a lot of wides. Like I mean, you're. What are you thinking at that stage? Yeah, oh, just to kind of after the water break, we can see the sloppy goal from the sharp hook out. It was kind of sharp pockets are kind of high risk, high reward kind of way, and we just we couldn't. Yeah. We'd hit ten. We'd hit ten wides in the first half, and we just couldn't seem to get that the clarity between us and them. The goal just kind of. Settle us down. If we'd have been going in at half time, only two points up, it'd have been a I think it'd been a very different story in the second half. Yeah, no, it was that one-one just before the end of the or in injury time at the end of the first half, yeah. really. And then you got that brilliant goal at the uh, in the second half. A great a great pass down to Ross Banville, great catch, and even a better one then. Um, you know, and like I mean, Ross Banville, what, how, what kind of a secret have you been keeping of him? I haven't heard of him at all until this year. Yeah, uh, Ross has been gone for a couple. Of, he's been unlucky. He's kind of he came onto the scene. I think it could be three years ago it was, but he's just unlucky with a shoulder injury that's kind of been hampering the last kind of two years. But uh, we always knew we had Ross coming. It's just if you could just when the injury cleared up, kind of this year we were seeing what Ross is able to produce. Kind of nearly every day, he's, he's racking up a good few scores and. He's a nice talent to have on the team now. In fairness, yeah, he definitely is. And Davey was there, so I'm sure he'll be looking at him as well. Yeah, oh, well, Davey's the manager. Davey will pick the play whoever he wants. So I'd be only delighted to have a few more club men in there. But Davey's the manager, and I think he knows best who he wants to play in his game in his game plans and such. So hopefully a couple will get the call, and please God. Come here, we were, we were wondering last Thursday, would you be marking Conor McDonald? You know, we were kind of debating that. And then you ended up marking nobody. You were kind of a spare man. That was a, a, was a surprise for me, but maybe it wasn't a surprise for you. Yeah, no, we kind of, we had our kind of tactics done before we went in as such. We kind of summed up Gory, how they were going to play. And we just set up as in Aiden, Aiden Cash picked up Connor and uh, Jordy, the younger brother, he picked up Cottle. And I just kind of tried to sit in between and just block spaces more than that. And it's just so Gory couldn't right. just hit in in front of him. Because if you hit a ball in front of, in high on Connor in front of Cottle, it's, it's no point having a foot race with either of them or trying to catch in the air. Well, it's just a case of get the ground and try to smother it out then is kind of the tactic we went with. Right, right, okay. Because I suppose modern cornerbacks, which you are, you you like to attack anyway. So, like, I mean, they're not just markers anymore. No, no. The way it is now, kind of, when you get out in front, and kind of the easiest way to defend is attack. Kind of, if you're out in front and you're getting the ball, the corner forward won't be longer. We're getting a, good, a shout from the line as such. So, you just get out in front and go. I suppose I, from playing with the the county team with Davy and all, I kind of had an idea how to play the sweeper just from from Kevin and all in front of me and. So I knew I was probably the best man for it compared to other lads. And I just told him, you always worry about your man and I'll try help you out then as such if the ball is coming in. Right, so that's it. Like, I mean, your your job was more doubling up and helping the two lads whenever they needed it. Oh, just help them out, block spaces. And then when we get the ball, counter-attack, go. Yeah. As such, I'm, I'm as much an attacker as I am a defender back there. Just if we get a ball in the full back line or half back line, be ready to give an option and go as such as the way we were trying to play. Right, that's interesting then. So, like, I mean, obviously your experience with the, the with Sean Murphy first and and Foley doing the sweeper, you kind of know exactly what it what it what he you know how he does. That's from an intercounty coaching perspective. Oh yeah, yeah. I know it's from the coaching for the couple of years. We knew kind of some call it a sweeper, other call it an extra defender, whatever way you want to call it. It's just I had a rough idea how to play it. Now I, I wouldn't be as good as the other two lads that are at now, but I knew kind of a rough idea what to do. And luckily it came off yesterday. We were happy enough with it. Yeah, it is. Come here. You, where did Shell Miller's come out of? Because, like, I mean, you just started winning minor um, football and hurling in the early noughties. Like, a, an awful lot of work must have gone in um, before that into producing teams that are now able to win at, in both codes at senior level. 
Yeah, there was a lot of work went in with underage. I suppose there's a group of lads who were probably 28, 29 ahead of me that they won failures and stuff under 14. And there was just a group kind of for probably seven or eight years. We just had yeah. plenty of lads coming through in both hurling and football. It's usually you might have a group of footballers or a group of hurlers, but we were luckily we had a lot of dual players as such. And we were just, we've been lucky since then that a lot of lads have stayed on and suppose we've won two hurling and a football now, so we can't kind of complain about what we have. Yeah, because it wasn't just one team or two teams. There were two or tr- three or four different teams in both codes, really, to keep it going. Like I think you won four minors in a row in the in the hurling, and you you know you dominated the football for five or six years. Yeah, we did. We did. We suppose we 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 were fairly dominant underage there for a while, but we just couldn't seem to produce it when we got to seniors. Kind of seniors, the main grade. When you're winning senior, then you know you're doing something right. But underage, yeah. we were fairly, we were very dominant. It was just kind of getting that next step on to the senior grade was the the, the trick for us for a while. Yeah, well, you definitely have done that now. Come here, what did you make of the Wexford Championship? You're obviously Jewel, and you're a huge Jewel club. Um, are you? Did you kind of favour the concentrate completely in hurling and now the football, or would you prefer to have the two to mixed on alternate weekends? Is the way Wexford always did it? Yeah, well, traditionally Wexford was kind of two weeks hurling, two weeks football, as such, or one and one. But at this where you can just go week on week hurling. Like hurling's a skill game with hand eye coordination and different tactics compared to football you're not swapping from one to the other and you can just go ahead you know you're going to be hurling week on week as long as you're winning and it's a lot easier and it'll be the same it'll be the same for footballers now we'll sure we're out in championships Saturday evening again Castletown and Wester Park and we'll know now hopefully for the next couple of weeks it's just football 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 there's no there's no distractions there's no swapping from one court to the other Yeah. which from speaking to hurlers and footballers they're, they're only delighted with because you know what's happening there's no swapping you have the same group of players going training two nights a week and playing matches. There's no crossover, which I think is the way to go forward. Whether the GA are able to fit it in, I'm not sure what way it'll go about, to be honest. Yeah. The, the only people that would lose out in that situation, like, I mean, do you, have, do you have fellas that only play hurling? They'll be idle now for the rest of the year. You know, your dual fellas will be kept occupied, whereas if you play one-on-one-off, the fellas that only play the one will at least be spread out a bit longer. Yeah, oh yeah, if you're only a hurler, you're only a footballer, you have your your couple of weeks of championship and that's it. But I suppose there's some lads could be better off than rather that instead of saying they're trained, they have two weeks of football championship and then the hurlers have two weeks of championship and there could only be a few footballers training on the pitch right. on the other side while the hurlers are training. So kind of, it's not going to be a perfect solution, but it could be improved in what it is is the only way of putting it. Right. So how many fellas do you not have jewel is the better question to ask than how many jewel players do you have? And what ha- what the hell happened to these fellas when they were younger? <laughs> yeah, um, probably from yesterday, from the final next Saturday, we'll probably have the bones of 12 lads will probably be playing next Saturday. So we have a big crossover of crossover players. Right. There's usually only five or six that might be only hurlers and same with footballers because they'll be playing on the second team as such as well. So generally a lot of lads in the club are jewel players. Right, there must be. A, you must have an unbelievably good team spirit then, considering that you played practically everything together. Yeah, we would. There'd be a lot. There'd be close. There's a lot of families involved. I suppose there was there was four sets of brothers yesterday involved in the games. Like we'd be all, we'd have all played the same, going up along. Kind of, you'd always be playing an age group ahead of yourself, and we'd be very, we'd be very tight because there's a lot of young lads on it this year. That kind of, well, they're not young anymore, but they only came through. And they're after stepping up this year, and we've we've a, we've a good bond in fairness, yeah. Right, right, okay. So, because like, I mean, you're pulling in from Castlebridge, Curraclough, and Screen, all right. So, like, I mean, there's that dynamic to have to deal with too. 
Yeah, yeah, we've, we've kind of, there's three kind of parishes, I suppose Castlebridge would be the biggest kind of hub, and then you'd have Screen and Kirk, and over the two smaller ones, there's, it sounds a lot bigger than it is, but there will right. be three different areas coming in, and some, sometimes well, politics can get in the way of clubs, <laughs> but in fairness, we, we've started out here, we're kind of, we're all singing off the one hymn sheet. Right, okay, so where are you heading today then, Castlebridge, Curraclo or Screen? I'd recommend Curraclo anyways, I don't know about you. Yeah, well, I'm I'm from Carlow myself, so it's not it's not a bad show either. Like, <laughs> if we're if we're allowed, but I'm not you're sure. I'm not sure what's happening. You're the captain. captain. Yeah, yeah. So you have yeah. you you have you can pull rank on this decision. Oh, I can. I can kind of. I can do as well. It's my choice, I suppose. Yeah. But at the moment, <laughs> I'm I, I'm working at the moment. So whenever I'm finished working, I'll be gone, giving the text to see where they are. Right. Okay. Well, can we, you have the cup too, so you're in control once you have the cup. Or did you hand that over to somebody? Yeah, I think the brother's gone on their way, I think. So whatever they're doing, I don't think it's, it's very lucky at the moment. I think he's heading out. He headed out to the door with the cup there this morning and I left to do the work at home. Good man, yourself. Well, come here, listen, I'll leave you to it there. Thanks very much for giving us your time. No bother, Colin. No bother. Thank you very much. Great stuff from Simon Donahue there, lads. Um, one or two things that jumped out at me from the interview was the supporters on the bridge. Um, when you think about this, that is a lovely thing for the supporters to do for them. Um, it was Ross Banville who said it after the game yesterday on TG Cahar and it kind of jumped out at me thinking like it's actually more dangerous from a public health perspective to be lined up along a bridge than to be socially distanced in a huge stand like I mean when the G if the GA think Conan that they are going to stop a community coming out to wave off their team on a bus or to do, you know, what's done on county final day. They're in their own little village or town or whatever. They, you think families won't come out and wave them off. What, what they've actually done on these crowd restrictions is actually fix nothing. It's actually a lovely story, like aside from everything else. Like that, that picture that he painted there is, is brilliant. It reminded me of Italia 90 in Ireland during the, during the Jack Charlton days. But, you're right. Like I remember, remember last week when the press conferences were happening, and Ronan Glynn and Michal Martin were talking, and and they kept talking about congregating before and after games. And I was like, two hundred people are not congregating before and after games. And what they've actually done here now by not letting people into matches is <laughs> they've actually created a, a situation where they are congregating and they wouldn't have been before because they would have gone to the game and they would have been spaced out in the stand if you had given them the right restrictions or whatever else. But yeah, you said it, like they're all on top of a bridge. They're way more close than they would have been if they had just went to the stand. Yeah, and if you think that a community is not going to show some gesture to a team as they're heading off out of the village or the community or the town, then you're off your head. That's not how these communities work when it comes to a county final. Another thing, Connor, I thought was interesting is that, like, I mean, he they lift the cup, they, uh, they cheer, and then they go down to the end of, of the stand for a little chat. Like, I mean, there's such bizarre <laughs> scenes, really, for a county final. Yeah, that's a, when I knew Simon was going to be on. I was, I was. That's what I was wondering about the celebrations. Is what, what do you do? You know, you like, you've no dress room to go to for a start. Uh, there's no family to kind of meet and take <laughs> pictures with. Um, you're, you all, you all you're looking at really is getting back in your car and and just heading back. And I, and like, I was glad to see, like, you know, we're talking about their kind of gatherings and cars and stuff like that. But like, I saw, I think it was on the Shelmalier's Twitter account. They had kind of scenes of um the welcome that they got. Not only when they when they crossed that bridge, but when they got back to um when they got back to their when they got back to the village, you know, it was all it was all socially distanced and stuff. But they got to do their they got to do their cavalcade and stuff like that because 
you know, like apart from that, what do you have? Like, you know, I'm sure they probably met for dinner and a few a few pints last night, but it's just it really hit home to me last night. I hadn't thought about um you know, uh, you know what it would be like to win a county title in these circumstances, and I kind of felt like a little bit of me felt a bit sorry for the Chamberlain's lads, considering the the scale of the achievement. But like at, le- at least they got um, at least they got some welcome back in the village. But it's just it's so so strange. Yeah, well, like like I was saying to Simon there, like I mean, at least Simon has a reference point of, of from winning one. Imagine if you win your first one under these circumstances, you'd be yeah. like, "What the hell is this? <laughs> this is not this is not all is cracked up to be." Because you'd be missing out on you know all the bells and whistles around it. I suppose. Look, to the Shelmaliers lads were absolutely you know overjoyed, and the scenes at the full time whistle, and you know when Simon lifted the cup and the, the players were all lifting their hands. Like I mean, that same buzz is there. It's just all the little extra lovely little bits that you're missing out on I suppose um, like I mean for 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 Boris Ali Paddy the Cock for example wouldn't even be there you know all the nice <laughs> the nice little the nice little bits but anyways we'll, we'll leave that that was the first county final of the weekend county, fi- county uh, final in Waterford pretty sure it's next weekend and we know who's in it so Passage are playing Ballygunner Ballygunner hammered um, poor Liz Moore we were talking about Morris Shanahan um, Morris got six points, five frees. He only got one from play. Like I mean, they were hammered. Bally Gunner beat them two twenty-five to one thirteen. Desi Hutchinson scored two eight. All of it was from play. Um, and Desi Hutchinson is an interesting one because he hasn't really made as much of an impact with Waterford yet. And I suppose when you're playing on a Bally Gunner team, I kind of know this from playing with Portlaoise. You're just constantly getting the supply of ball. Like you're hammering teams, you're running up scores, and then he plays with Waterford. Um, Conan and he's you know living off scraps and then might have to force himself to do things that he wouldn't always do to make the most of the three or four balls he gets in a half rather than nine or ten balls he gets in a half yeah and trying to do that against better defenders and better, better defenders yeah and like I wonder just like, was was last year his first year back after being yeah. a soccer okay, yeah so maybe maybe this year he'll have his eye in a little bit more and be a bit sharper and be scoring two eight from play albeit in a hammering station at club level like he's obviously at the level, and I mean, like that's what you want to see your best county players doing, and he's obviously getting there. Yeah, his manager Darrow Sullivan said every day uh, Desi's getting better. Desi works hard like the rest of the lads. He chases back, and you'll see a number of hooks and blocks he would have had in there today. He'd be up there with Tim O'Sullivan. These guys really set the tone for the work rate around the time. We know that his work rate is brilliant. We know he runs the line brilliant. It's just like I mean, you know, whether of much more limited ball. He can have the same impact as he does with Ballygunner. Maybe that's the question uh, for Waterford. But I do take your point, Conan. Like, I mean, he's only back a year um, after not having played that well. And Waterford didn't go that well um, last year. The other semi final passage beat Mount Sion. Uh, passage were 17 to 1 6 up at half time, but they had a strong wind. Um, and Noel Connors is another player. He's playing for passage centre back. His manager, uh, Michael Walsh, um, has been singing his praises. So he's the other fella, Austin Gleason. And uh, not Austin Gleeson, um, Morris Shanahan and Noel Connors are the two big names left out of the water set up. And we've been talking a lot about Morris Shanahan, Connor, but we haven't really mentioned Noel Connors. Um, and he he's in a county final now playing brilliant stuff for passage. Again, you have uh, man, Michael Cal uh, with a big decision to be made on him as well, because he did say the door was left open. 
Yeah, the, Liam Cal really picked a bad time to drop Marciano and uh, <laughs> Noel Connors from the from the panel, didn't he? Because uh, Noel Connors did come up in conversation. We were talking when we were mainly talking about Marciano a couple of weeks back. Uh, seems to be flourishing in a in a centre back role. I, I'm sure he's probably played that often for the club as opposed to being used to playing a uh, cornerback with Waterford. But uh, I saw actually just um, John Fogarty had a column and he made a good point that. If obviously, like Liam Cal has to consider Morris Shannon and Noel Connors now on the back of their form in the club championship, but uh, like he made a good point that if it's going to be a winter championship as well, and if age is a concern, and it shouldn't really be, I mean, Noel Connors is only 30, but if that is the concern that they're a bit too old, well, then a winter championship with the ground to be a bit softer. And especially if he, if if he if playing centre back might be an option at county level where he might necessarily have to be chasing after fast corner forwards all the time, that that a winter championship might might suit kind of Noel Connors a bit better. So, but listen, like like Liam Cowell will have some explaining to do. Come, you know, if, if these guys aren't going to be back on the panel given the form, because he said he's always said from the start that like he'll monitor their form in the club championship. From what I'm hearing out of Waterford, there's not two better players in the championship than Martin Shannon and Noel Connors. So if they're not in the panel come when the championship does resume, Liam Cal is going to have um, some explaining to do. Yeah, listen, all eyes are on Liam Cal. There's no doubt about that. So there was a big, huge um, excitement in the intermediate uh, championship in Waterford. So Ballyduff Upper beat Clashmore Kins, Kinsalabeg. <laughs> is that right? Um, huh? Nailed it there. Oh, my God. <laughs> so, in the intermediate championship, so it went to sudden death. It was 225 to 225 after normal time. There was a penalty shootout. There was 15 penalties before Bally Duff Upper uh, finally got the got the win. And there was some huge scenes. That was on the GEA Joe account. I saw this. Again, no supporters, but incredible scenes after winning a penalty shootout after extra time um, and after 15 penalties. So, congratulations to Bally Duff. Um, upper the game on RT yesterday was Cairns O'Rahilly's lads versus Legion. Not the greatest game in the world. I mean, Tomas O'Shea made such a great call. He says, "Well, no, look, I don't really like this water break, and look, this <laughs> water break could work. That analysis could work in one game, and it might com- be the complete opposite on the other game." As it turns out, it worked out brilliantly for Tomas because he said he didn't like the water break, and it, it ended up Legion came back and scored one two after being five two down. And Marty Morrissey, he won Marty Morrissey over. Marty Morrissey had to say to him, I'm starting to think you're right about this water break, um, Tomas. But like, I mean, the goal was the goal was a funny one. Um, I don't know. I've I've tweeted about this goal, Connor. Like, I mean, for me, the goalkeeper jumped out of the way of this goal. It was dreadful goalkeeping that this the, the that ball was kicked down the middle of the goals. Like. Because well, I, 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 I watched it back again uh, afterwards and I think I saw a screenshot um, of where he took the shot from because my initial defence for the keeper was that maybe the the attacker um, line, I can't think of his first name, I got too close to the keeper and the keeper thought, well, at that stage, I have to guess if I stand yeah. and wait for him to shoot, I won't know where it's going. He, he's too close to me. But he shot from the 14. He shot from the 14 yard line and it went in in the middle of the net. Yeah. The problem is that like Marty Morrissey has a habit of calling every goal a crack and goal. You know I, I mean? I, yeah, I was disappointed Tomas didn't pick up on it now. I thought that yeah. that was a bit, from the minute I saw that goal, I was like, what is that goalkeeper doing? That's not even in the corner. Yeah, yeah, I was in the middle of the net. Now it was a little bit high, but like I, I thought that I thought that he even looked a bit surprised after scoring it because he probably thought he might have went for the corner and ended up in the centre of the net. I know Stevie, uh, Steve McDonald's advice is to is to just, you know, hit it as hard as you can, basically. I think he was taking he was taking that advice. But I I like I I, I thought the exact same thing because when I saw it live, I thought that went into the centre of the goal and the replay only proved my point. But then you had Marty Morrissey still 
saying it was a cracking goal. I'd say in their defence, they were probably too busy still talking about the water break at that stage because actually, as it turned out, Tomás Ache only went on about the water break for so long because Marty Morrissey wasn't accepting what he was saying first. He kept kind of pushing them on it. So Tomás Ache had to explain and explain what his, what his um, issue with was it. But again, Tomás Ache couldn't have picked a better game to illustrate it. Legion weren't in the game in the first quarter at all. And then they completely took over the second quarter. And that probably was could have ended up being the win in the game for them. Yeah, I, Jack, you want I, th- I think I think it wasn't great, but I think he's been a wee bit harsh on the keeper. Like it, I, I know, like it was in the thirty meter line, but the keeper was out past his six yard line, so there's only seven meters. It's past him in a split second, and if you look, his weight now maybe he shouldn't be doing this, but his weight is guessing that it's going to the inside of him because line is, is lined it up. He's put all his weight on his left as if he's about to as if he's about to crack it in the inside, and he hits it off the top of his foot, and it goes to the other side of the keeper. Like again, it wasn't great, but. It, I can see why it went past him, and it was such a it was like seven meters away from him, maybe six meters away. I can I can give him a free pass on this. But should you, you think, should you be that far out of your own goal when somebody's taking a shot from fourteen yards? I know it's easy probably to not or a screenshot, but probably not. But like if somebody's coming straight through your own goal unmarked, thirteen meters out, and they score, like I'm not going to be really complaining too much. Like they should be scoring anyway. Yeah, well, no, he's, he's entitled to come out, you know, when he was straight through on his own. Like, I mean, he's the last line of defence. He could have get, now he could have been given the eyes to that bottom uh, right corner and, and it sliced off the boot. I don't know. But I think guessing in that scenario, like, I mean, I don't think it's I don't think that's the, the easiest way. Like, I mean, if you stay big and your hands out, you mm-hmm. know, make make the player hit the corner rather than you know allow him a punt down the middle as a goal do you know what i mean it make if if the goal if if your man sticks it in that bottom left corner there no one's going to blame the goalie i think you're trying to be t- sometimes you're trying to be too clever if you're actually trying to guess in that situation do you know what i mean because let's be honest a lot of forwards that get through into that situation they're shitting it themselves yeah. <laughs> like i mean yeah. you know they they just they would love that situation to arise as would i um, if I if I was in that position, like uh, Karma Coffee, then there was an, an incident with uh, with James O'Donoghue, and it was a the, the usual bullshit, lads. As we always talk about, it's the it's the double yellow. Both of them got yellows. James O'Donoghue was tripped up. James O'Donoghue pushed him back, and then he got a box to the side of the jaw, and he gets the same punishment as Karma Coffee. Like Coffee for me should have got a red, uh, Conan. I'm not sure what what your take on that is. No, classic two yellows. Move on with it. Nothing to see here. Just how many times have we have we seen this? And hopefully, I think we're going to keep seeing it. But hopefully, somebody somewhere along the way will will stand up to it and, and realize that it's not always a case of two yellows. No, no, exactly. There's not much more to say on that because it was fairly obvious. Temple no beat Dingle. Killian Splan scored one five. Ty Morley kept Paul Gini scoreless. That was a famous win for Temple No. Only up senior. In the senior championship, I reckon that's probably that's probably their first ever win in the in the senior championship. I might be wrong on that. On Friday night, then Crokes beat uh, Austin Stacks. Tony Brosnan, big fans of him on the show here. Conan, two ten, two beautiful penalties and some absolutely exquisite points from play. Um, interestingly enough, like I mean, something still. Crokes play lovely football and still they're flaky or there's something. Now I, I don't feel right calling them flaky because. You would have thought it at the end of normal time that the, all the momentum was with Austin Stacks, and they, you know they were still able to pull grind out that win in extra time. But like for example, Corrafin were five points up in injury time. They're not losing that game. Yeah, that's they're it. not draw, they're not drawing that game. No, like five points. Like when I first saw, I saw the like Kieran Donaghy had scored in injury time a goal to levels, and there was actually still two points in it. And obviously Sean Quilter came up trumps for him, but. 
five points is like that is just see that game out for God's sake. <laughs> yeah. And it's just like you know, normally it's a case of no goals, but this is a goal and two points that, that they've leaked when when the game is is won. And, and they're Doctor Crooks. Yeah, you're you're right to compare them to Corfin because that's that's the level that they that they have been at, and that 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 is worrying. I thought after after they went out of the club championship, sort of surprisingly, that they were going to give Austin Stacks a big backlash here, but like they got dragged into extra time and had to see about that. Yeah, so Donahue's goal, he was in the square, but the rule here is that the ball was passed to him from inside the square, so the goal stood. And the goal was like in the 63rd minute out of 67, and it was still... like They had seen out three minutes of of six or seven minutes of injury time, Connor, and the, st- the five points was still the gap. And then Donahue gets that goal, a really scrappy goal, and you're still not thinking that Austin Stacks are going to draw it. No, I've, and like Connor mentioned, Sean uh, Quilter's point at the end, which was brilliant. Like it, yeah. it was re- really well taken. But I thought that like the defending was what left a bit to be desired for me, especially the defending of a team who is you know holding on to that lead in injury time. Do you know what I mean? Like, I, I, like uh, when you think about it, it, probably should have been cut out before it went to Sean Quilter. But he seemed to have, uh, through his determination, I suppose as much as that else. But I, I thought the defending uh, could have left a lot to be desired. But you're right. Like Carfin, the top team, they don't let they don't let that situation develop, especially, um, especially like I think Donny's goal was the sixty third minute of sixty six, um. So so like you know like the best teams don't let that to have let let that happen. But thank God for them, they had Tony Brosnan. You mentioned his goal, his two penalties were amazing. Some of the points were play, um, and as well as that, the goal that he laid on, Set up, yeah, brilliant catch, Brian Looney in was it Brian Looney I think in yeah. time where. He could easily have just taken on himself and scored, I think, what would have been 3-10, but he put it on a play for Brian Looney. So um, another another top performance from, from our man, Tony Brosnan, again. Yeah, but the catch was unbelievable, too. I was, I didn't think he could field over his head like that. So that was brilliant. There was a big shock in the down championship. Warren Point beat Kilku, defending down and defending Ulster champions. Um, this was, there was a lot of drama in this. The referee had to be escorted off the field, um, and it was the Kilku um, contingent that wanted to get at him. So he he played no extra time, as it turns out. So he only played one minute of extra time, but that one minute of extra like he played sixty one minutes, but one minute has to be added on for the minute uh, water for the minute water break. So he actually played no injury time at all, and War and Kilku were beaten by a pint um, by Warren Point. So listen, let's be honest, Conan. They have definitely got some sort of grounds for. For, for feeling um, hard done by here, Kilku. It's not knockout. It's not the end of the world for them. They'll be able to tell themselves, look, we didn't really lose that game. No, and I, I heard uh, the referee was a bit harsh on them in the first half as well, but they managed to get him back on side by the second half, but obviously he still, he still blew it up early. It's, this is the disappointing thing, though, for Warren Point. Like, they've beaten both Byrne and Kilku, you know. They've put them both into the loser's draw, but if they want to win the championship, they'll probably have to beat either one or two of them again, you know, along the way. So yeah. it's a great, great result for them, but still work to do. Yeah, and they've obviously angered the two of them as well, Connor, which is not ideal. So like Warren Point, I don't know if they're in a strong position here or should they be just looking over their shoulders? Pity, uh, Kilku had no supporters at the game. They could do what uh, the Offaly lads did in 98 when uh, the referee blew it up against Clare in the semi-final and then forced a replay. So uh, if they if they, if they they had supporters at the game, they might have ended up being able to do that. But just reading the report, as Conan said, I just read the report in the game and it seems that they, like I think it was Carol Gain in the Irish News, he was trying to be as diplomatic as possible while still detailing the seemingly litany of uh, decisions that went against um, Kilku. So... I'm sure, like they've uh, they've that one marked, and they're they they 
I'm sure they'll want to meet Warren Boyne later on in the championship to, to try and write what they would see as a wrong the last day. Exactly. There's a big shock in the Monaghan Championship as Clontibret are in relegation. They've been knocked out. They're last year's champions. They were beaten um, 2-8 to 11 points by Inneskeen. Inneskeen apparently are Clontibret's bogey team. Um, they've lost to them the last four times. And this was John McEntee, the Clontibret manager, um, versus Ushi McConville, the Inneskeen manager. So, like, I mean, this was ridiculous, really. I saw I saw highlights of this on Facebook. I think it was on the, I don't know, it was some, on some Facebook page um, I was sent to. Um, it looked as though Clontibret um, had done enough. There were 11 points to 1-5 up, three minutes of normal time remaining. Um, but they, they ended up losing it. So I saw the referee really shafted him on a couple of decisions, gave Inneskeen enough uh, points to get back within, you know, scoring or uh, uh, scoring distance within within touching distance of them, and then some absolutely shocking defending from Clontibret. So they're trying to play it around at the back. They're playing it across the line, and one of the Inneskeen players just came in, uh, intercepted one of the passes, and runs through on goal and scored. So that was them out because Clontibret at that stage were holding on. It was 11 points to 1-8 and a draw would have seen Clontibret through. So now they play Castle Blaney um, in a relegation uh, semi-final. Castle Blaney and Clontibret have 54 senior counties, county titles between them. So John, Mac John McAtee is not happy about this at all. He was tweeting about this. Unlike John McAtee to be tweeting, he says, Monaghan GEA, at Monaghan GEA, I might be breaking a golden rule in GEA, but sure 2020 is a strange year. What I witnessed today by referee was dangerous, disgraceful and dishonest. Don't let any other team suffer in the same way. Assign your top referees to the big game. So he's not holding back there, um, Connor. No, and like it's it's very rare of him to tweet because I just saw the tweet earlier. He doesn't even have um uh, he doesn't even have an avatar or profile picture on his Twitter account. So he's he's obviously not that prolific. But uh, I was just um I, again just looking back on a report of the game. I didn't see the highlights that you saw, but um somebody somebody mentioned that the ref um I think on commentary it was mentioned that the ref looked like he was directing traffic. As opposed to um, trying to ref a trying to ref a football match, so by all accounts, uh, by all uh, by all accounts, Clontibber were shafted, and I think uh, was it the case that they had drawn drawn a few games or stuff like that, and a draw would have been enough to to see them through or something like that. So like they've they've I suppose they've extra reason to be to be miffed at, at, at what they would have saw was injustice by the referees. Well. Yeah, no, I think that I was reading they'd drawn three games and this would have been a fourth draw would have seen them through. So, like, I mean, um, maybe that's right. I'm not too sure. Mm. Um, I think I think that could be right. They had four group games. So this was their last one. Would have seen them through. There's some terrible scenes at Latin versus Carrot Cross. Going to stick to Monaghan um, here, Colin. I sent you the video of this. It's laughable here. Number one, um, Latin lost this game uh, nine points to 113 to Carrot Cross. The Carrick Macross players ended up fighting a supporter over the fence. Now, the supporter ran down to the fence. What the hell is the supporter doing there? Um, and then three other supporters came down to pull the, the supporter that was fighting the Carrick Macross players away. So there, we know four supporters at this game on the bank, which Latin will have to answer for. And then you have a situation where the Carrick Macross players are fighting this he was an elderly enough individual. He came back a couple of different times. Just shocking scenes. It's on Twitter if you want to try and look it up, um, uh, Conan. But, like, I mean, poor form. Somebody told me that it was one of the Latin players' fathers. I don't know how true that is, but it would be definitely an explanation of why he was his back was up so much. 
Mm, and, and like he yelled early enough, but he wasn't thinking twice about throwing punches himself. Like, and he, he he didn't disappear. He didn't back off, and people were, were throwing arms at him too. So no, oh, it was, it was a bad bad look. I was thinking, was it last year we had all those videos coming out of supporter mm. violence getting involved in games, and a lot of them, most of them were in Ulster. Probably all of them actually. I think there was one in Kerry. And then it was like the one fan, I know it was ended up being four, but the one fan at this Monaghan game, he happens to be somebody who's causing a bit of trouble as well. Like, and like, Jesus, just watch the bloody match. Like, you know, and how, like, how bad does that look as well? That you are the only person there out of what, four people and you're causing this massive ruckus at the sideline. Like, yeah. Think about what you're doing. How stupid do you need to be? You're in a game illegally and you're coming down to the bloody fence to fight players. Like, I mean, you really need to be an absolute numbskull of the highest order. Um, in the big shock then, it, talking about relegation battles, Mullingar Shamrocks are in a relegation playoff. They won the county title two years ago. Um, so that's a big um, shock. They were beaten by Kilukan. Um, could easily have got the pronunciation of that. It was one twelve to one ten, so they're in a relegation um, battle. Parik O'Hora is at it again, Connor. Now I couldn't find these quotes, but this was in the Independent, and it said Mayo star Parik O'Hora believes Ballinas Stevenites are looking good for their first county title in thirteen years. The defender made his prediction after the size narrow one ten to twelve win over Neighbours Knockmore to top the group after a third and final uh, group game. I was trying to search for the actual quotes that he made. Um, I couldn't find them, but look, I'm not calling um, the report into question at all. But and uh, we obviously know Parag Ahora is a very confident young man. Uh, I've seen the interview. Well, he, he was uh, he was talking to Mayo GA TV after the game on uh, on Saturday evening against Knockmore. Um, I don't know, like I don't remember him saying exactly straight out that the Balanau were going to win the title. He, he kind of just he reiterated he reiterated kind of what he was saying a couple of weeks ago, but he elaborated a bit more. And it was just he was just kind of saying that um he just really spoke about how confident he was in his teammates and his management team. And it was really genuine right. like before in the interview a couple of weeks ago, it was really genuine stuff. And like I was thinking watching it that like, geez, what a what a guy that you know what a guy that you'd want to have in your team and like uh, how how positive it would be or how much it would rub off on you to hear a guy speaking so positively about the guys he's playing with and about about the management team and to be honest Willie like I I, I know I've I've tipped um I've mentioned Balna a couple of times but I watched them on uh, Saturday against Knockmore and um they stole the result they won by a point but Knockmore were the better team for 50 minutes Balna had about five minutes at the end I, I'm not sure what they, they scored a flurry of points haven't got a lucky goal in the first half I thought Knockmore were the better team Team, I, I like. I suppose the two of them were through, so it didn't really matter. But, but like I know from having watched, I also watched Westport Castlebar before it, and well, like Westport hammered Castlebar out of sight. Yeah. Um, and to me, along with Ballantubber, are are the, are the you know the, the leading lights are definitely the favourites for the Mayo Championship. So like Paragora is just it, it's kind of continuation of his natural confidence in I suppose himself and Ballina, but. Uh, if 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 you were asking me to put money, they they probably be third or fourth down my list to, to win the title at the moment. Right, but it's wide open though, right? Because you you're looking at well Ballina, Westport, Briefy, or Ballantubber. Or you yeah. think not not more could be in the mix as well? It's a very <laughs> a very open championship now, right? Yeah, well you see Ballantubber play not more play Ballantubber. So in, in the quarterfinals, the draw was made yesterday. So like Valentubber would be strong favourites for that. But but not more. They they had they'd have the they'd have it in them to cause a shock, but it would be a shock if they won. Outside of that, then I'd say see the Neil uh, got through yesterday by one point in scoring difference, actually. It came down to the wire. That was really uh, that was really interesting. They won intermediate last year. So they're probably um they'd probably be like the longest, longest odds. And they're coming up against Balladrine, who won 
who got to the county final last year and was narrow enough to feed to um to Ballantubber. So they'd be in the mix as well. So oh, like honestly, well, you're looking at any one of like Ballantubber, Westport, Brafey, Balladrine, potentially not more in Ballinad that could win it. But like I think that in my opinion, having watched uh, most of them this year, I think Westport and Ballantubber probably stand a little bit higher than the rest. Right, okay, that's interesting. Chief, there was a, uh, one of the results that jumped out at me from the weekend was in the Galway Hurling Championship. St. Thomas is 4.38, Portumna 15 points. Absolutely incredible result. And, like, I mean, Portumna are just conceding incredibly high scores. Like, I mean, they're now relegated. Um, they had eight retirements last year. Um, I was asking Damien Hayes, um, and he said it's the end of an era. Um so, like, I mean, I suppose eight retirements last year and a few more before that. So, like, I mean, this isn't a Portumna team that we, you know, you're used to seeing Portumna and, you know, them being a completely different proposition than maybe they are now. But 438, Conan, like, I mean, that's just incredible. That's 50, that's 50 points in 60 minutes. It's a, it's a, it's a big beating, I suppose. One of the excuses for them, I mean, being kind, is that, you know, they were already relegated, so they had had nothing to play for but still like that's a that's a big dent to the pride and you, you mentioned Damien Hayes and, and the eight retirements like the, the names that they did lose are obviously just leaving a massive hole for them but even at that I think it was, was it 2013 the last time they won the Galway Championship they only won the All-Ireland then in, in St Paddy's Day the following year but like that's that's a long time ago as well. Like it's a full full team coming through almost. So, so yeah, true. Yeah, it's just a transition. They had a generational team and, and now they're gone. But they they made the most of that team and they have to rebuild again. Yeah, no, I think that's it. It's such like I mean, it's not it's not a big um, pick they have or anything like that. So it's impossible for small clubs to keep churning them out. So maybe better maybe going down to senior B and staying down there for a while while they start all over again and start from the bottom again is the thing for Portumna. You know, that's the future for them now. Um, the Leash Football Championship starts tonight, lads. So we didn't speak about this last Thursday because. You, the Neffet were actually going to meet last Thursday to decide what was happening with Leash and Offaly and Kildare. And as we know now, they lifted the bans in Leash and Offaly and they kept the ban in Kildare, which is understandable. Like the restrictions clearly didn't work. Um, Kildare, an example of that. I was given out about the restrictions in Leash anyway because the 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 new cases were very very low. You know, in the in the days uh, preceding. The, the lockdown and in the days uh, following it, they completely shafted Leash football, Leash GA lads, because Leash GA lost three weekends now. So there wasn't even any uh, communication to Leash GA before the decision on Thursday. And it was supposed to be Sunday night that the restrictions were up until, and they were very clear about that. And even Leash GA requested, requested that the GA ask Neffet, can you please lift it on 14 days, which would be the Friday, so we don't lose two weekends, three weekends. No, nothing on that. And then all of a sudden, Nefet, you wonder these people just make it up as they go along, or they just don't care about something that's so important to so many people in the country, so they just decide on Thursday evening, they're lifted now with immediate effect. And sure, you can't go organising games with a day or two's notice, Conan. Like, I mean, it's total bullshit. So now Leach GEA are forced to start their football championship tonight on Monday. Like that that's such a well it's, it's really disappointing for them, but it's such an interesting one as well, dynamic, because yeah, they've had three weeks off or as it is, or like three weeks of lockdown and, and distancing and whatever else, and now you're bouncing straight into a championship on a on a Monday night and 
a championship as well where you're not allowed to train fully except in groups of 15 so it's such a geez if, if ever there was a time to, to catch poor release this could be it will it not to scare you yeah, well, it's Bally Line and they're playing and they should be able to handle them. But I do take your point. Like, I mean, Saturday and Sunday would have been the only two days that they could. And you wouldn't really play a 15 against 15. Your championship match is on, on Sunday. So maybe on Friday night, if it was lifted on Thursday, they might have got a 15 versus 15 game in training. Do you know what I mean, Connor? Like, that's all you're looking at. Like, I mean, it's completely unfair what's happened to them. But then again, all clubs are in the same boat unless a club wasn't following the, the guidelines. I know Port Leash were. Yeah, and there's probably anecdotal evidence like there, like in a lot of counties that maybe counties, you know, certain clubs weren't following it. But so what happens now, Willie? That game is on the Monday night. Like what what sort of time frame are you looking at to to finish the to finish the championship? I'm not too sure actually. I'm not too sure. I know there's matches, uh most of the matches are on tonight. Then you'll probably have hurling at the weekend and then football and they'll just rotate it um the way it is then because they've only got one round of hurling done. They're way behind. They're yeah. well behind. They're at. They're you know. They're so far behind that they're going to have to probably do like what Dublin do when they win the All Ireland and try to have midweek you know championship games and play it off very quickly. It's not an ideal situation, but if like we talked with Mike Quirk and they're not going to forego those two league games, which Mike Quirk rightly doesn't want to do, well then they've got two options. Wait until then again. You look at it. Leash have got a Leash have got Loud or Longford in the championship, and then they have Dublin. So let's be honest, Leash will be out of the championship uh, then. So unless they wanted to hold off a county final for November, you know, that's uh, that's an option to Leash GA as well, which isn't ideal either for the the club teams if county are going to have them, you know what I mean, with the county. Look, there's yeah. no easy, there's no real easy solution for it. There's no doubt about that. It's messy. And even if they had, even like that would have saved at Leash an awful lot um, you know, to be given the heads up on that weekend. Now they're trying to force in uh, games as early in the week as they can and try and get back um, going again, you know. So I suppose it's, it's the whole communication thing and GEA being so far down, GEA members being so far down the government and uh, NEFET's list, which I, th- which I think isn't the right way to go politically, which is what we all know all politicians care about is their political um, clout. Clonagail was an interesting one, um, Conan. They, this, this is a weird one, actually. I don't know whose side I'm on on this one. So Ballyboden St. Enda's in, uh, told Clonagail on Friday that one of their junior A uh, players had tested positive, but he was isolating, and the HSE decided that the rest of the team were only casual contacts and therefore clear to play. That's normal, right? That's... Uh, uh, we know that's the usual um, GA guidelines that players are casual contacts. Now, usually clubs are cl- are shutting down their teams until all the other players get tested, right? So Clonagale player told RTE Sport that despite the HSE criteria, him and his teammates were weary of playing opponents who had trained with the Valley Bowden player in question in the previous 10 days. So they, he said they asked the county board to be delayed until at least a fortnight had passed, but were told by the Dublin County Board that they would have to either play or give a walkover. Now, geez, I don't know. Like, I mean, if this fella has been isolating for 10 days, um, he hasn't trained with his teammates, the average period of time to start showing symptoms is five or six days. Like, I mean, if, you, if you're in the clear for 10 days and your teammates haven't had any symptoms and are casual contacts, geez, the Clown and Gale players are being very cautious there, Conan, I would have thought. I think the GA as well, in fairness, and the HSE have been consistent in that. Like, even if it wasn't such a gap where if he was showing symptoms only a few days ago, 
the GA have always been telling clubs to keep going because they get are citing that casual contact thing and, and they're telling people that you're alright to keep going and I, I remember the club Banner and Derry had a positive case but the GA advised them not to shut down the club but they just took it upon themselves to, to shut it down because they didn't want to take the risk but you know, and thankfully nobody was nobody else was affected in that. And not yet. Yeah, like I, I know you're talking about a an opposition team, never mind Bally Bowden. So Bally Bowden are okay to play and now it's the opposition team who's afraid to play them. Like, yeah, I can see where, where Clan Nagel are coming from. And I, I don't know how much I agree with the rules, but I think at least the GA and HSE have been consistent the whole way through that. And they, they have outlined this in advance. Yeah, I saw Paul Broderick uh, telling Niall Carew, or Niall Carew talking about that, and he was saying he's not sure Paul Broderick is going to play this season, uh, Connor, because he has had his spleen removed. Um, I remember I had a ruptured spleen when I was younger. I was under the impression you couldn't play if you didn't have a spleen, but he's able to play, and he's able to play very well. But he's in a high-risk category because of that, and he's not sure if he's going to play club or county uh, while this whole thing are going on. So, we, like, I mean, I don't want to be too critical of the Clonagale players. I wouldn't have a problem playing a team that had a team made with a positive test if they were all in the clear for 10 days afterwards. That's, look, you're pre- why, suddenly it's the 14 day just some magic number that I would everything, you know, is it, okay. I think for me, 10 days would be okay. I don't want to be too critical of them. John Costello said the GA guidelines is that if they're casual contact, games should not be postponed for that reason. If there was anyone on the Ballyboden team identified as a close contact, then they would have to withdraw. You know, if it was a, a, a teammate going in the car with the positive test, for example. So Clonagale, Again, I, I I don't know I don't really know which side to come down on this. Yeah, so like Dublin GA are obviously right because it's 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 in the guidelines there. There's you know they're they're only following the guidelines, right? But like it's you know it all comes down to personal interpretation. You're talking about Paul Broderick there, and just to, just to say, Willie, like our club, there, there was a player, uh, one of our players, uh, t- had a test for COVID a couple of weeks ago. Now it came back negative, thank God. But uh, ahead of a championship game, we still hadn't got the results. And we suggested to the Mayo County Board that it be um, that it be cancelled, and that request, no more than the Clonagale request, was refused. The right. game went ahead anyway. We still hadn't got the results. Uh, it came back then a couple of days after the game that it was negative. But I know that, like in, there was definitely concerns amongst, like you know, people within our club and in the community because you can have guidelines there all you want, but then it just comes down to like people are obviously going to have their own personal concerns for their own personal reasons. So like, I have to say, like I, I can, I can understand. I think I'm like yourself. I, I like, I completely understand where Dublin GA are coming from. I'd be fine playing in those circumstances, but I know from like the situation having arisen within our own club that I can perfectly understand if people have an opposite viewpoint as well. So John Horan was on RT radio. I think it was yesterday. I was some RT show and he was talking about the inter-county season. And he says, I think everybody getting involved in this will actually take on board and we will have protocols in place that if a county goes down because of the narrow time frame in which you're running the competition, they will just have to step aside. Like, I mean, I think he's talking about a, a lockdown, like in Kildare, for example, rather than some positive tests, because, the, the, you know, if a county had to stand down because of positive tests, that would contradict his own guidelines. And he must have been talking in the context of a Kildare leash or Offaly, for example, which is probably understandable if they're locked down for two weeks. Um, the championship is going to have such a tight, tight time frame that a county in that situation might have to uh, st- might have to step down. Well, that will test his true blue nature if Dublin are the team. And like that would be a bit of a farce as well. If you take any of the provincial champions and Dublin, they could be 
if they were out of it because of because of this, it just sort of upsets the integrity of the competition. Like they probably, no, that's a bad idea. But like they're amateurs. Like every other sport is doing it in some sort of bubble where the like that's not going to happen. Like it's a confined area, and and the teams are all going to be tested and able to play. And there's not going to be any outbreaks, sort of individually. Yeah. See, did did you hear, did you hear this interview? Because I just read the quotes. Like, I mean, because if he's talking about positive tests, that's a load of nonsense. But if he's talking about a lockdown situation, that's understandable. Because Oshie McConville um, has been talking about it. He says, "I'm not sure that's practical." If you think of the latter ends of the championship, you think of Dublin going for six in a row. They will be very reluctant to step aside. I think it encourages teams to hide COVID cases, and that's not, or that's certainly not what we want. So Oshie is uh, seems to be of the opinion that they're talking about some positive cases. But in that case, there would be casual contacts, contacts, your teammates, and they could continue on without the positive cases and their close contacts. Or else, again, Connor, I'm not sure, you know, again, if it's a Kildare Lee Shoffley situation, that's completely different again. Well, I, th- I only saw the quotes as well, Willie, but like the, the most pertinent one for me that if a county goes down, which would strike me as if a county goes into lockdown. A lockdown. I uh, think that's right. I don't think Oshin is, is right in that response. I would think so. And the only thing I was thinking when I read this is that like the GA would want to have their um, their their legal kind of um, their legal documentation like spot on. Do you know what I mean? To 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 avoid any loopholes or, you know, counties taking cases to various bodies. I know we're in a we're 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 in a, a kind of um, an exceptional situation. But but I I, I I I'd be I'd be worried that if, if a stance like that was taken, that, that that it would be challenged so that they'd want to be on fairly sure footing. But again, just just from seeing the quotes. Uh, like as you explained there with, with the difference between cases and, and close contacts and all that sort of stuff i imagine that he's referring to um to a, a county being in lockdown as would be the case with uh with kildare leash and Opley or kildare at the moment but uh, the first thought i had as well was just like connor was that like well what if what if dublin goes into lockdown what, what's john Horan going to be saying then jesus he'll be absolutely livid because that would be it but like that would be a little bit farcical that the best team like how could you have all Ireland champions that Dublin, you know, you didn't have Dublin got kicked out of championship cotton like that. It just would, it wouldn't be right. Like, and, and Dublin's Dublin, Dublin's heading in the direction of a lockdown. Yeah, like it's. I think look, you used the example of Kildare, and like maybe Dublin's a good one to use as well. If they're locked down, like this is where limiting the squads will probably be important because surely then you know we can classify the intercounty GA senior level as elite sport. Well, obviously it is so. We now have 30 players that we have to test to make sure that they're all okay to play in two weeks' time. Like, it's, you don't have to drop out of the championship, surely. There's there's always around it. The League of Ireland's going on. Like, you know, like they're all being tested quite regularly. It can happen at this level. Yeah, maybe towards the latter ends of the championship. You'd imagine for All-Ireland semi-finals that you could spare enough tracers to do, the, you know, the two All-Ireland semi-final team um, and and make sure they're tested. But, yeah, then, yeah, no, sure they, they, they have the results back in two or three days. I think that's... Look, to be honest, this this might kick a, a, a Leitrim or a Carlo out of it, but let's be honest, it's not going to kick a Dublin out of it. Like <laughs> do, 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 Dublin will pay for their own tests to be sure that this that they're all in the clear. Like I mean, I don't think and Kerry would probably do the same. The teams with money would probably go private on that and go here. Wait a minute, do you know what I mean? Our 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 all of our players are okay. We're ready to play. And listen, Dublin. Dublin, the Croke Park is still within Dublin, so Dublin footballers could play in Croke Park, right? It's just like another county in lockdown couldn't travel to Dublin to play. Dublin are, Dublin are fine. Dublin will right. travel. 
<laughs> Dublin team cannot leave Dublin for the All-Ireland final. Ah, come on. Like, I mean, they, they'll absolutely be fine. Michal Martin was on Claire Byrne's show. Did you ever, did you ever see such uh, controversy between this Claire Byrne getting this show ahead of Sarah McInerney? Like, I've never seen a more pre- a more popular presenter than Sarah McInerney in all my life. Like, I mean, this is universal popularity. Like, I mean, it's I've never seen somebody present a show and be as loved as Sarah McInerney, lads. Have you been following all of this? I have. And I saw, like, you know, that, that RT had to keep coming back and clarifying that, no, no, Sarah McInerney is going to have another show because the, the replies on the leaf and everybody's got a lot of respect for Claire Byrne, but it was just like, what? What did Sarah McInerney do to deserve this? So they had to keep coming back and saying, no, we're giving her another show. We're giving her another show. I wonder, were they second-guessing themselves then after seeing the reaction? Yeah, maybe. But like, I mean, look, reading the replies and she's trending again today because Claire Byrne interviewed Michal Martin and people are giving out about that Sarah McInerney would have done such a, a much better job. And she 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 would have because Sarah McInerney would be probably along the Vincent Brown uh, kind of interview interviewing technique is in that she'd get frustrated with politicians bullshitting and she'd call them out and she'll interrogate them. And I love that myself. Um, I think maybe that's that. I don't know. Maybe she's a little bit too brave for RT. RT like to play it safe, uh, Connor. Maybe not from what I've heard though, Willie. Like, as in she, I like the, the bits I've listed. I've been very impressed with Sarah McInerney the last few months. And yeah, she's very to, good. That's not to say anything against Claire Byrne. I mean, like I haven't, I haven't heard much of Claire Byrne on the radio to be honest. But Sarah McInerney has been brilliant. I think she strikes a good line between, you know, she, she, she is very challenging, but never. Um, you know, never, I don't know what, she's never, she doesn't go over the top, let's say, when, when like, it, it's all perfectly fair. And I'd like, I, I don't think that any, that any of her interviewees would resent her afterwards. I think they'd all say, they'd all say that she might be hard, but she was fair as well. So it's just that, like, this was Claire's, Claire's first, like, there was, there was probably always going to be a, a certain reaction um, because it's, it's Claire Byrne's first day in the new show today, if, 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 if I'm not mistaken, and taking over from Sarah McInerney. So Sarah McInerney fans are going to be out in force. But but you but you, you have a point about me all Martin as well, is that she probably would have maybe um, put the studs in a little more than Claire Byrne did. And I think in a, in a at a time when there's too much bullshitting going on from politicians, there always has been. I don't think I'd ever have the patience to interview politicians because I just te- I just hang up on them. I'm saying, you're not answering the question. Just stop and not. I'd be like Vincent Brown is in. Why are you wasting everybody's time and answering a different question? I can see the frustration with the likes of Sarah McInerney trying to pull them up on, on questions. But Micheál Martin was there this morning anyways, and he was saying, um, in taking the decision uh, we did on the crowds, we saved the championships and the leagues. Now, the leagues, he's talking about the League of Ireland and the rugby. He says, we want the championship to go ahead. I want the All-Ireland this year. I think it would be a symbol that the country is fighting the virus and it's not going to surrender to it. So doesn't he have some nerve and some barefaced cheek to say that he has saved the championships and the leagues? Like, I mean, can you believe that? Like, I mean, we saved the championships and the leagues by banning 120 supporters from a few club games. It's total and utter bullshit. Like, I mean, how they can get away with saying these things? And then he says later on, as he's been asked rightly by Claire Byrne on why they're not being more transparent um, regarding, you know, what evidence they have that crowds at GA games are causing any sort of spikes or are kind of a danger. And he says, Ronan Glynn made it very clear to me that he felt the going that he felt that going to the match um, and the leaving of the match, people coming from different households, people congregating in two hundreds, um, mixing is the problem. So what the overall attempt here was let's reduce the gathering of people in large numbers everywhere, particularly in households. Now 
straight away with that, what I've just read out there, congregating in 200s. They're not. There's 120 at the game. They're not congregating in 200s. That's disingenuous and it's not right. And then he says um, they're, they're reduced gathering of large numbers, particularly in households. And this, this is the funny thing here, Conan, which I can't really understand. So he's the GA has called on him for empirical um, evidence. Like this is what the GA have requested. They want some sort of proof um, that the GEA is causing an issue on this because uh, Michael Foley and the examiner said, according to the GEA's figures, 60,000 children have been through the cool camp system this summer with just one case of COVID recorded. That case was traced back to a communion event. Since the GEA facilities opened in July, they've had 70 confirmed or suspected cases from a membership of 750,000. None were traced back to a GEA facility. Like, that is massive. That, like, think of that. So this fella has had about a week now to answer that question. And what his answer is, Ronan Glynn made it very clear to me that he felt. He felt. Mm-hmm. This, this is what they're still coming up with. This is Ronan Glynn. Is this Ronan Glynn's opinion? Or does he have anything to back that up? Because Michael Foley in the Sunday Times has got some uh, empirical evidence and he's got some numbers. So where's Ronan Glynn's numbers that we're asking for to understand this? And Michal Martin in the same interview says he's saving the championship. Jesus, I start getting really cross just thinking about this stuff all over again, Conan. You should have been the one interviewing me, Hall Martin, this morning. <laughs> I, wouldn't be, I wouldn't be able to do it. I wouldn't be able to do it. This is what was said on Thursday. Like, you know, Neff, aren't the ones making the decision. Yes, Ronan Glynn is advising, but you know, it's up to the government to to govern, and it's up to me, Hall Martin, to ask more questions then of Ronan Glynn. Ask him where is the most affected areas? Like, where, yeah, where should we be really concerned about, and why? Like, what what are your numbers? Not up to the GA to look for those figures. It's up to the government to find out and and then like they did with the three counties that we mentioned they can start localizing the restrictions rather than just having a blanket all island everybody shut down like you know like the, the, the idea that somebody in Sligo can't go to watch a game because they're concerned about 200 people meeting after a match which never happens anyway in Kildare is it's, it's very unfair and it's not the proper way to go about it but like you're laughing there at Michal Martin as well like you know having having the bare face affront to basically take ownership of the success of the championship going ahead. And that's what I think is important to remember. Like people were sort of worried that the GEA coming and asking, you know, for evidence and they're afraid of them rocking the boat with the government. The reality is the government needs the GEA and they need the GEA thriving and too many people's lives revolve around it. It's too important for culture, economy, whatever else. And imagine being the government that lets the lets the GEA fall on its earth because you weren't happy with the tone of their letter. I wouldn't worry about that. Yeah, no, definitely not. But like, I mean, th- to think that that was the best answer he could come back with a week later, Ronan Glynn made it very clear to me that he felt mm-hmm. going to a match and leaving the match, um, you know, it, mixing is the problem. Jesus, give me something better than that a week later. There's no doubt. Like, I mean, it's it, it, look, it's very frustrating, but we're not actually going to do a newspaper review this week, lads, because it's uh, it's nearly everything we talked about last Thursday in the Sunday newspapers. And even last Thursday, we were a little bit worried that we were coming to this whole story of the supporters being um, being banned. We were thinking on a Thursday, we're a little bit late. And then I read the Sunday papers and they're all talking about the same thing, Spillane. Um, you have Michael Foley in the Sunday Times. At least he had some good stats. You have Colm O'Rourke. Um, you have Philip Lanigan in, in the Mail on Sunday talking to Michael Reynolds. 
they're nearly all the same. So, like, I mean, I don't think there's any point in doing a newspaper um, review this week. We'll leave you on this um, last story. Joe Brawley is in negotiations with BBC Northern Ireland. So Declan Bogue had this in the Independent. So luckily enough, I don't watch BBC Northern Ireland. I watch uh, I watch RTE. So like I don't have to be too concerned about this. Um, so he is in negotiations. Um, they're on an advanced stage to bring him into the BBC Northern Ireland fold for coverage of the Ulster Championship. So I think BBC Northern Ireland are in negotiations to get a lot of these games, because I think the GA, he says, it's believed that negotiations with the GA have impressed the hierarchy of the sporting body, and they may be prepared to relax their previous restrictions around broadcasting games. As a result, BBC Northern Ireland could be in line to cover every game in the Ulster Championship. That's great news for for everybody, Conan, because I think only one um, championship match was was broadcast la- last year. Well, that was on RTE. I think maybe BBC Northern Ireland had more. But Brawley's back in the mix. He's going to have a bigger audience than than Air Sport, which will really do his ego the world of good. <laughs> I think I think it's a it's a good thing because I know we love Hammer and Brawley, but like genuinely do love Hammer and Brawley. Like you know, there's so many pundits that I just don't like care about and. If Air Sport, BBC, and RT are the only ones showing the championship, like you can't tell me that Joe Brawley's not in the top what twelve pundits in Ireland. Like you know, he still is. He still is worth tuning into, even just for the the reaction. And, and uh, what I find interesting, I know Declan Bogue wrote the piece, but it was it was ran in Independent, and and the headline was controversial pundit Joe Brawley. It's like your your main columnist Joe Brawley has <laughs> negotiations. It was like they were taking no ownership over him at all. Yeah, maybe not. Well, I suppose, uh, Connor, we'll have to see how many references he can get of Mayo being bottlers into an Ulster Championship um, analysis. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that, that won't stop him, basically, even if he's doing for Manor or Kavanagh or something. I'm just interested to know, is, um, has Brawley ever slagged off the viewing figures for BBC Northern Ireland like he did for Air before he uh, before he joined them? Said they were, said any, basically said that anywhere, anyone apart from, definitely Sky, sorry, were irrelevant. And any any pay per view um, channels were relevant, and then ended up joining Air Sports. So it'd be interesting to filter back through his columns to see has he taken a stab at BBC Northern Ireland for their viewing figures before well, yeah before he joins up. I'll make a prediction on if he'll be on for Donegal Tyrone match. He'll start talking about Michael Murphy, and then he'll start talking about Aidan O'Shane not being a patch of Michael Murphy and Mayo <laughs> and Mayo not having a hope of winning the All Ireland this year. Right? Okay, I'm making that I'm making that prediction now. <laughs> either, either that. <laughs> or he'll start slagging Michael Murphy and saying he's a nothing player and he won't be invited on for the next game. <laughs> <laughs> right, well, we look forward to his debut anyways. Maybe I will watch BBC um, for that reason. Maybe that's what BBC wants. So look, we're all going to tune in to see Brawley. So, um, you know, maybe we understand BBC's um, decision for taking him on board. Right, listen, like I said, no newspaper review uh, this week. We'll leave it there. We've gone over the time and we'll be back on Thursday and we'll have a look ahead to the matches next weekend. Talk to you then. Good luck. Well, when I started running, I suppose I didn't stop. And when I got the chance to go, I said I'd stay going. So I opened up. We're only the small little fish out there, so we are. And uh, we're trying hard to make it through. But it's hard to get the breaks when you're the smaller fish. Because I love this county so much, you know. And it's just, I'm delighted that the lads, the lads did it for the people of Walford today because, like, I, I'm, heart, I'm heartbroken. I let it go, cause I see you later, but not